Hey there, everybody. My name is Max Gomez. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Misinformed. Today is all about diversity, equity, and inclusion at our Middlebury Institute of International Studies in Monterey. Uh, so coming up first for that, I have Miguel Fernandez, interim CDO and leader of the DEI task force, uh, to talk about you know what, what the task force is and what they're up to. And then after that, I have student council vice president and leader of the DEI Committee for Student Council, Lincoln Ngaboyasonga, who talked with me about what the DEI Committee is doing and some of the things that they've got coming up for this semester. Welcome once again to this week's episode of Misinformed, this third episode. I, I don't know why I feel the need to keep announcing which which episode it is. I think I keep doing that every time. But uh, I do want to impress upon everybody that this is still such a new show. So we are looking at, you know, getting more more attention. If you're out there listening and, and you found the other episodes so far to be informative, then please tell other people to listen. And, uh, and that'll also help me get more stories, get more attention for the show. Uh, so anyway, without any further ado, uh, Allison Silverstein, student council director of, of health and wellness, what are you doing here? Oh, well, hello. I thought I would just, uh, drop into your little zoom call, a brief zoom bomb, if you will, <laughs> to talk about this super exciting event that we have going on for the month of March, which I think you know, perhaps a little bit about yourself as well, but it's uh, motivated March trying to get a wellness challenge started. Oh, the, yeah, the Motivated March Wellness Challenge that I myself am helping you plan as well. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, so I think we have started to put out a good amount of information this week. So people won't be hearing this until Friday morning at the earliest, which means as of right now, they are able to, to go sign their teams up, I think? Yes, there is a registration form that you can find if you're part of a club, you can get it from your club leaders. Um, it's going to be on my community and it will be hopefully all over the place as soon as possible. Check in with your program reps if you haven't heard about it. Um, and you can pick a team name, which I think is a very essential aspect of the form. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely. Hopefully the most fun part. And you can have up to four team members, uh, minimum two. Yeah, I, I love Yes, call out the people who have this link. Student program reps, club leaders, they've all got it. If you're in a club, ask your club leader for it. They have it. Yes. <laughs> they all got an email from me today, today, which is Wednesday. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, I had what else did I have to say? So uh, there's a lot more info in the description of that registration form. So people can definitely go look at that, learn more there. But what is the general, what's the general vibe of this month? What are we, what are we doing? What do these teams do? So the general vibe, as you phrased it, is that every day you will log your wellness activities. So that can include getting a healthy amount of sleep over the night before. It can include doing mindfulness practices, including meditation. It can include getting outside, running, walking, things like that. It can include fitness and cardio. So those are all sort of the baseline activities. And then if you wanna gain extra points, you can attend uh, misled events. That includes the Mixed Fit with Sarah. That is Yoga with Noemi. That is Monterey Bay Meditation, things like that. And then uh, if you want even more extra super duper bonus points, you can attend student success workshops and you can attend our -na 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 weekly events. <laughs> so we'll be kicking off next Friday uh, with a trivia night. Yes, very excited for my community engagement committees putting together of that trivia night. I think it'll be really fun. We, we did a little powwow and picked the themes for the different rounds a couple of weeks ago, and I think it should be super fun. And the health and wellness committee, probably the weekend after spring break, although it's not confirmed yet, will be hosting a health and wellness fair, which will be a full day of events, including an organizational coach. We will have yoga and meditation and things. You can drop in, drop out, and just sort of get a feel for how you've been doing over the course of the month and things that maybe you want to add to your routine or take away or whatever it may be. So the idea of this event is to reward 
positive, healthy behaviors. Speaking of reward, uh, you're saying I'm, I'm doing these things, I'm, I'm uh, practicing mindfulness, I'm getting more sleep, I'm maybe going to these activities. What, do we, are we going to get, is there, is there prizes? Well, this is a competition. So <laughs> yes, of course, there are going to be prizes. We will have, you know, potentially things at our weekly <laughs> events. But they're all very well known. We've we've planned them all out meticulously. We know exactly what they are, but we cannot tell anyone yet because they're surprises. You have to just come to the event, <laughs> voice your desires. It will be better than a gift card. I, I hope. The deadline for submitting your teams will be March 8th. So get your teams together. It's okay if you start a little late, just means that you'll have to uh, keep working at your activities. It's okay if your team is small but mighty. But of course, if you can get four people, better chance of getting more points, better chance of winning the competition. So stay tuned. Yeah, that's a great point. You will be able to start collecting points for, for doing these activities on March 1st. It's a whole March competition, uh, but the teams can register up to a week into that. That's totally okay. Um, I think I think that sounds great. Well, certainly that was a, a very wonderful brief overview. Thanks for, for Zoom bombing a, a recorded podcast. Uh, I don't know how to make logical sense of that narrative, but <laughs> uh, I think that should anyone listening have any more questions about this, they can feel free to certainly first go check out the the registration link, which you'll find on socials everywhere. Hey, we'll put it in the Miss Radio one too. So there's going to be plenty of places for you to find that. The And in that description, there's, there's much more info and um, as well as who to contact if you have more questions, which happens to be us. That would be both of us. Woohoo! Yes. Uh, well, with all of that said, Allison, thanks thanks for dropping by, but I do have to get over to my, my conversation with Miguel now, so I'm going to have to kick you out of here. Oh, darn. I wish I could stay. <laughs> well, make sure to tune into the episode, and, and you'll be able to listen to the conversation okay. after. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Allison, for, for dropping by for that incredibly corny bit we had running there, and uh, also to all you listeners for putting up with it. So anyway... I, uh, I do hope to see you all sign on your teams up over the next few days, over the next week, I think you have, and uh, participating in the Motivated March Wellness Challenge that we have been working really hard on with our committees. So anyway, back to business, getting back to the, the stories of today. Miguel Fernandez, thank you so much for joining me. I have asked you here to, to join me on Miss Radio via your position of the current leader of the DEI task force. Uh, and you are currently the chief diversity officer for the Institute. But is, is that true for Middlebury as well? Yes. Uh, thanks, first of all, Max, for uh, inviting me. And it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, yes, I've been the chief diversity officer uh, on the Vermont campus for the past six years. Um, I've been on the faculty for 25 years uh, in uh, the Department of Luso-Hispanic Studies. Mm -hmm. And then in November, I was asked to step in as the interim uh, chief diversity officer at MISS through the spring. So that's the role I'm doing right now. Yeah, and thank you so much for that, that you know, your introduction to us at, at MISS as well. I know I think I, uh, I could speak for myself, certainly, but I know there are probably a lot of other MISS students who are still not familiar with your work as well at Middlebury. And actually, if I would love to hear a little bit about the, about what you teach as well. Sure. So, so my background is, my work is in Latin American literature. Uh, my research focuses on the 19th century, uh, Argentina in particular. And the work I've done all kind of hinges around the figure of the gaucho. So I started working in gaucho poetry and, and moved on to uh, theater, um, that kind of thing. My teaching is, is, is a little broader. I think at a liberal arts college, we're all uh, generalists in many ways, and, um, but uh, has focused on Latin American uh, literature and culture. And in the last number of years, I've, I've moved more into uh, the theater, Hispanic theater, and uh, I'm teaching a class starting tomorrow, actually, on uh, performance studies in the Hispanic world. So that's kind of uh, the, the area I've taken my teaching uh, more recently. Well, and now I have one quick follow-up question that I'm sure is something we could spend the entire day and probably more talking about is that how have you found that background of yours, that, that academic background of yours, influence your work in 
uh, as a as a chief diversity officer as this work in uh, DEI. Yeah, thanks. You know, I think it's a there's a combination there between uh, the work, and so I talked I talked about the the gaucho figure, which is an interesting um, figure. It's it's sort of the Argentine cowboy, and you know, it was a marginalized uh, uh, figure that was sort of on the edge of what what was referred to as civilization and the the, the wild frontier. Of course, you know, we're, we're, we're breaking that down in, in many ways now. Um, often folks of um, mixed race, you know, between the indigenous and, and the European um, and, you know, on the outside and on the inside. And so I think, uh, you know, um, from, from my, uh, from theoretical perspectives and from that kind of work, um, working with marginalized communities, that mm -hmm. certainly informs some of my work. I think myself, my personal trajectory also um, as a, a mixed race, a half Canadian, half Argentine, um, having moved around in different countries and always being othered in, in, in many ways, right? Mm -hmm. You were never, you know, you were never the, the, the local in, in a sense. Right. Um, I think that informs the work as, as well. And so having experienced that and having studied that um, makes you sensitive to the experiences of others being uh, marginalized, othered, um, not understood, uh, a, a lack of real sense of belonging, mm -hmm. um, efforts to engage sometimes to assimilate and the, and the problems that come along with that. Um, so I think there, it's a combination between the personal and the professional. Oh, of course. Yeah. So like I mentioned right at the top there, um, I, I have asked you to come talk a little bit more about the DEI task force um, that I, I believe is, is focused specifically on mess, right? This isn't a joint. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we received an email about it, uh, an update from, from you, I believe last week, which is what um, prompted me to reach out to you. And I think that it was the events that launched the formation of this task force is something that I think just about every MISS student. Now, I want to say that, but I can truly really just speak for policy-focused programs. Everybody was very aware of what was happening um, around November of last year. Um, but since then, um, you know, I think it's kind of faded back and people settled back into just focusing on their classes. Not everybody, certainly, and the task force is here. So there are people that are continuing to do this work, but I think a lot of people, it's kind of faded from their attention. And um, I was hoping we could just dive a little bit into uh, how we've gotten to to what the task force is working on right now and uh, and what's you know coming up in the coming near future. So if you could could for for maybe those who could use a little bit of a refresher, um, give us a, a really quick background as to why the task force was formed in the first place and how you currently are the chief diversity officer for the institute. Yeah, so well, um, you actually know, um, more more than I do about what happened on the on the ground in um, uh, in in, in Miss. Um, there was uh, um, you know there was some some um, challenge. Let me say, from my understanding, there were some um, challenging encounters between the, the previous uh, chief diversity officer and uh, some 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 students on on some ideas. That I think uh, sort of came to a head in in, in November, and the the CDO stepped down from from the role. Um, so I was asked to to step in to to fill a gap, um, a, a gap there um, that was created with the with the vacancy, and also uh, and so um, so my thinking was, you know, when I step in, I did not want to come in with a set agenda. Um, mm -hmm. I recognized that uh, Middlebury College in Vermont and the uh, Middlebury Institute in, of International Studies in, in Monterey are two very different institutions. They, they have different uh, student bodies. Um, they um, have, have, have different missions. And uh, I wasn't gonna come in and say, this is what has to be done. Uh, the most important thing for me was, was to really kind of do a listening tour um, to find out um, you know, what uh, A, has, has been done, what the, the, the situation is, and, and what's needed. Um, I couldn't, I didn't feel as though I could do that on my own. And so it was my desire to put together a task force. Um, I wanted it to be representative, to have students, faculty, and staff on it. 
to have um, representation from different uh, demographics and, uh, um, and, and, and different uh, programs and, and, and uh, um, uh, you, know, you know, whatever we could uh, that way. My hope was that the, the, the task force could A, help with the, the work, but B, also inform me, uh, advise me, um, and bring a lot of the issues uh, to the table so that we could form, so that we could work as a, as a committee, as a group on the best way forward to miss. I, 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 I believe that uh, the folks um, who are gonna be most affected have something to say. I think the people involved um, uh, need to be at the table. And so that's my desire with, with the task force is to um, uh, have folks who are going to be engaged in the conversation that are gonna be speaking from their own personal experience, experiences and desires um, but also, you know, be representative voices. And um, so I was fortunate to be able to work with the student DEI committee um, who uh, were able to uh, nominate uh, students. And, and we also have one representative from the DEI committee uh, sitting on the task force. Um, I asked uh, faculty and staff to nominate or self-nominate. Um, and from there, we're able to select and the, and the staff uh, um, and advisory team um, helped with that process and also uh, they nominated someone which um, I appreciate because that way that there's a there's a feeling I hope by staff that uh, their representatives put a representative on the task force and the same with the Senate uh, the faculty Senate um, asked them to help with those those nominations uh, we uh, selected two members and then the faculty as a whole um, voted on uh, um, one of the members so we have three faculty, three staff, uh, four student representatives, plus the extra student from the DEI committee and myself. Yeah, and uh, I understand that uh, Morgan Moore is the representative from the DEI student committee, and she is a friend of the pod. She was on our previous episode. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that, and I'm not surprised. <laughs> so I did, uh, you, you touched on it a little bit there as to how the members came to be a part of this committee. Um, and I understand if you if you can't, dive a whole lot deeper into that, but I was did want to know if we could pull back the curtain a little bit more on how you selected this committee. It was nominations primarily. I remember seeing a few emails um, about saying that the recruiting for this was happening. Um, I, I don't quite remember if that had anything to do with any involvement, you know, here with Miss Radio, with uh, I'm involved in student council as well. So I, I can't quite remember if I had received that email because of my involvement in other things, or if that was a blast that went out to, to all students and faculty. But my, my guess is with the student council. So I engaged with the student council and the DEI committee on the student side of things. And, um, and we worked together about how um, best to um, get, get students on, on and, there, and there may have been something that I was not aware of the student council or the DEI committee may have reached out for nominations from, from the students, but we got some nominations from the students. I left it in the hands of the DEI committee to select from those nominations. Um, on, on the side of the staff and the faculty, there was that similar type of idea is, you know, you can, um, you can do a vote, you can ha have people voted on, um, you can do nominating. I like the idea of doing a mix mm -hmm. um, for the reasons that you know, when you're dealing with diversity, equity and inclusion, uh, an open election, you know, uh, majority wins elections and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and you do want some representative voices and there's no guarantee that that will happen in uh, an election. Um, and so being able to appoint some folks ensures that you can make sure that there is some um, diversity of different types. Mm -hmm. And as an example, um, we had pretty much all women on on it. And, um, you know, so so one of the reasons for choosing a couple of the, the faculty members were because I had some male nominations and I wanted to have a, a little bit of that. At the same time, I felt it's very important to have some elected folks because then you feel that you've got a voice in the room that, that, that you've uh, elected. So so I believe that a, a combination is, is a good way to to create a, a group like that. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense to me as well. Uh, I, I, did, I was wondering at one particular facet of, of having a diverse task force together. Of course, there are many, many different ways to, to look at how the diversity of a group, but one that sticks out certainly through the email because you have all of the programs listed is 
the different programs at MIST that are represented there. And just like I myself was saying, I don't have a whole lot of connection to those that are a part of the translation and interpretation students um, that I think a lot of those in the policy uh, mm -hmm. programs like myself may share, especially in this virtual setting. I, I didn't notice any students um, from any of those programs, I think. I see a few IEMs, IEM MPA like myself, NPTS, uh, but I was wondering about how the voices of, of that part of the student body is being heard on the task force. Yeah, thank, th thanks for that. Um, uh, you, you know, I'm hoping again, um, the, the DEI committee um, does have a representative in, in, in Morgan, um, but is very much very engaged as a whole group uh, in, in the work and, um, and certainly um, uh, sending us their, their desires and, I'm, and I continue to be in contact with them. So I, I think through, I believe that through the DEI committee as well, there's, there's even further representation. Um, and, I'm, and I'm hoping we're, that we're capturing those voices. Okay. And then I think we also have some folks on the faculty that do represent um, okay. the, the languages on that side too. Okay, yeah. Is it, would that be the LS? I think I'm just not familiar with that. What that? You know, you're, you're, <laughs> that, you're testing the real foreigner here. I'm going to pull up my, I'm gonna pull up my, my list. But okay. uh, yes, yes, that's the language. Uh, okay, okay. Um, and we've, uh, you know, Morgan has come up a few times here. You, you mentioned that the DEI committee of student council helped um, nominate some of those students. Yeah. But how has the work of the DEI student council committee and the DEI task force um, that we're talking about here now, uh, how have has the work of those two groups continued since that initial, you know, them helping nominate some students? I uh, was in contact with the DEI committee before the, the creation of the task force. And as I mentioned, you know, had them help me with the task force. I had a, uh, a few meetings with them to, to really talk about the work, much as I'm doing with you, to hear what they felt were the um, uh, you know, most important uh, um, uh, agenda items, the, the, the issues that we should be addressing regarding DEI. Um, and I continue to work to work with them. And um, and like I said, they have a representative on there. They continue to um, be advocating for um, uh, attention in different areas. That uh, work that they are doing is um, uh, influencing, or I should say, uh, you know, uh, um, coming to the task force. So you know, so I think. And, and that was a question that they had is saying, you know, should we be entirely in the task force? And, and that just mm -hmm. makes it, it, it just too big a, a, a group to really be manageable. So we wanted a voice in there to ensure that the work is there, both to recognize the work that is being done, the work that is being done by that committee, uh, the ongoing work, uh, recognizing what has worked, um, et cetera. Uh, the, the actual work of the task force right now has been the first couple of meetings have been really about, well, as, as you know, the first one, you always, you know, get to know each other and introduce yourselves. But really, we've been doing uh, sort of some, 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 some macro level work in the sense of what is our charge? What is our mission? What is it uh, that we're trying to accomplish? What can we accomplish? What kind of power does the task force have? And really banting that around a little bit. I think there's a minor bit of frustration of you know kind of not jumping right into the work, um, and to be honest, I feel that way too. I, I want to kind of get right in into the real work, but I do believe that this um, this early work of really kind of grappling with the questions of the charge, who we are, what we're trying to do, is really important so that the whole group can feel as though we are uh, at the same place with the same goals, and I think that that early work. Um, really pay, will pay dividends down the road when we're working things because then we're striving to the same goals. If we just jump straight into the work, some folks are going to have, uh, you know, di different desires, different goals, different aims. And, and, and then that's just going to get uh, messier and messier as, as you go along. So mm -hmm. I think this, uh, th this early work is uh, important, um, but I know that we're all anxious to really kind of dig into the work. Uh, and that's our plan starting next week, actually. So yeah, and I, I think that that uh, it, it's very much in line with um, some things I'm I'm learning myself in one of my my uh, education management courses, design and assessment. Oh, I feel so nerdy for plugging this right now, but we've spent so much time in this class so far, just focused on coming up with what problem are you trying to solve in creating this program? What need are you meeting? Not just 
students need to have a pre-departure orientation for an international education program, so we're going to make one. It's like, well, okay, why do they need that? Let's get down to those really root issues for this. And we may end up with the same things, you know, just coming up with that problem beforehand, we're still going to end up with a pre-departure orientation, but taking time to understand that why is fundamental in guiding the creation of that uh, program, whatever it may be, especially in the area of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, but I would also say that, uh, you know, to to add validity to the frustration of really wanting to get into something right now, the 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 existence of this task force itself is a response to, um, you know, urgency, I would say, you know, things need to be happening very soon, very quickly, because we can't let some of these things, we can't let these things continue. And that was a big part of, of what we saw happen last November is, is a lot of the students saying, hey, we can't, we can't have this happen anymore. Things need to change now. And so where have you found a, a balance in, you know, we really want to take our time and, and do this right this time, while also understanding that we need to make changes soon? Yes, and and so and so I think um, I, I, again I I think that that uh, early work is important. At the same time, we want to um, now uh, jump in and address some short-term, immediate goals um, and really get kind of get that work done. There are some things that uh, should be addressed right away. Um, at the same time, starting to work and planning for some more medium and long-term goals. Um, uh, you know, uh, there there's some things. Uh, you know, um, we'll be talking next week about the the short term things that we can uh, work on. But you know, one, in conversations that I've had with folks, one of the questions is about um, how we respond to um, uh, uh, bias incidents or racist incidents on campus, and there doesn't seem to be a clear procedure. Uh, things that don't rise to the level of harassment or discrimination just sort of get uh, left alone. And um, and th there needs to be a, a better way to deal with uh, that kind of um, uh, those kinds of incidents. So so that's one that I, I think is uh, shorter term. I think that we would like to have some mechanism uh, in place uh, by the end of this 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 spring. Uh, another one is you know there was a course there was a mandatory course there were issues about the course. Uh, um, so I, I've been terming it as as the Curriculum. What is the what is the curriculum? It's sort of on on pause, on hold right now, and um, and and that needs to be addressed uh, very very quickly um, and and soon. Uh, so so those are the, uh, kind of uh, sh a couple of short term things. Then there are other short term things that we will address. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that will be brought uh, forth. Um, uh, another example is, uh, and this is coming from the DEI committee. The the, the talk about finding a common language to, to discuss uh, the EI aspects so that we all understand what we're talking about when we're using certain terms, for example. Um, more medium term is really trying to think about the structure of the office. Uh, is, is the CDO the right um, the right role? Uh, you know, it, it, it was a one-person uh, office, and I'm using the term office uh, loosely, um, um, is that is that the right way to go? Uh, is there a different way of, of looking at it? Um, should there be um, um, more input? Should there be a permanent task force or committee that uh, that works with um, the the person in the role? Is that even the right name, the chief diversity officer? Um, there are all kinds of questions of that sort. But I think the structure of of how we do this work moving forward uh, is an important one to 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 really think about to get right. Um, that is something that will fit this institution and um, and be able to benefit it uh, moving forward. Yeah. And and actually, you've already hit on just about all of the examples I think you listed in that email from last week, which I, I did want to ask about, um, about uh, those pressing issues that you're focused on right now. So the structure of the office curriculum. And one of the, the final one in there that I want to just follow up with, since we've already talked about the rest of them too, is the funding and removing financial barriers. If you could yeah, give us a bit more of context about what what that means. <laughs> yeah, so you know, um, when we talk about DEI, you know, it's diversity, equity, and inclusion, and uh, and and diversity, in a and I, along with many others, don't really care for the word. To be perfectly honest, it's uh, um, you know, in some I don't know, it just doesn't 
that doesn't say say a lot. And and in some ways, diversity is the easier piece in that you're talking about numbers uh, in a sense. And so really there, there's an effort around recruiting and, and this can always be in, in, improved upon. Um, it, it's, it's who you're recruiting, who you're attracting, how you're doing that um, and bringing people to, um, to, to, the, to a place. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's all fine and great. Um, but if you bring folks to a, a place and they don't feel included or, or a sense of belonging, um, what have you really achieved, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, and, and to whose benefit? So for me, the real work is around that equity and inclusion piece is really working on ensuring that an institution is uh, a, a welcoming place, but not just a welcoming, you're welcome here now assimilate to mm -hmm. us. Um, that's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about uh, changing an institution so that everyone can be their true selves and uh, get what they need out of a place. And, and you know, what you need out of uh, uh, the, the institution might be quite different to what yeah, I need uh, uh, and that kind of thing. And so there's an equity issue and, and the equity issue, it, oftentimes there are a number of barriers to full participation for financial reasons. Um, it, it could be just coming and, and affording uh, tuition. And so of course, financial aid falls into that. F financial aid is a way of breaking down financial barriers to, to access. Um, but there can be lots of other um, things. And, and uh, I, I think I've had a lot more examples from the college, mm -hmm. um, but uh, um, you know, uh, just the, the, the cost of textbooks, um, the um, access to, uh, in particular, we've seen a lot of this with, with COVID, um, access to reliable internet, um, to hardware that uh, can keep you connected. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen a lot of um, folks at their laptops just have not been able to, their old, you know, rickety laptops have not been able to, to handle mm -hmm. um, the needs to do uh, online courses to, to work remotely. Um, uh, there can be access to programming, um, you know, on, on, the, on the college campus, there can be PE courses or, or really interesting workshops or, or conferences that have um, a, a cost to them that uh, makes that out of reach for some students and, and for other students don't even have to worry about it. Um, uh, at the college, we've, we know how important it is for students to get internships. And for, you know, uh, many internships are unpaid. Mm -hmm. And um, that works for some folks, but it doesn't work right. for others. So we've been able to come up with some grants where we can um, give uh, some money to, to, to students who are on an unpaid uh, internship to pay for rent and, and food and, and that kind of thing so that they can actually take one and then and, and do that uh, resume building, et cetera. So there are all kinds of different um, um, barriers and, 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 and many of them uh, are financial. And of course that takes uh, fundraising and, and having funds to be able to break some of those down, which is a further challenge. Yeah, and so, so I understand as we've already talked about plenty, there are a lot of initiatives that the DEI task force and the, the office of the CDO at the Institute um, will be working on like actual tangible products of, yep. of that, the task force and the office. But it also sounds like in this, particularly in this um, financial and funding sphere that it, it will also serve in a way as an advisory board to the Institute in a way and saying like, hey, there is a need here for these students to make this institution more equitable and inclusive. We need to allocate more funds for these sorts types of issues and things like that. Absolutely. I think I, th I think there are three pieces to that. I think you, you mentioned uh, advocacy, which is, is, is very much uh, a part of it. I think there will be uh, um, <clears throat> uh, uh, specific recommendations that the task force will make. Um, and the third piece is awareness, right? Bringing awareness to uh, issues. And I, I think all three of those are, are, are related, but I see those as all roles of the task force that, uh, that uh, I would like to see the task force and, and, and the office play. Yeah, absolutely. And now, so the last thing I, I did want to finish up there then was of all of the, I mean, we've talked about a lot of the things you're working on so far, and I think I already have such a, a much better understanding of it, and I hope our many or few, I don't know how many listeners will, will find that true as well. Um, and I did want to, to finish up with, is there anything up on the horizon you can, um, you know, say right now that we could be looking out for in the next, within this semester 
Um, and I know I, I don't want to make you put a timeline on something. We've already talked about the importance of like taking time and, and, and focusing on bigger picture before you can jump into things. But I did want to see if there's anything like, like bringing back the curriculum from the, the course that was mandatory and, uh, if there's anything we can look out for. Well, I'm going to be frustratingly vague, uh, and, and, I, and I will say that um, I expect us to uh, come back with uh, recommendations around the curriculum, probably not to be in place until the fall. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I can't really speak for the task force because we haven't spoken on the issue, but a possibility might be that uh, there would be uh, uh, the suggestion of having some workshops in the spring to be able to fill that gap that the curriculum was doing or, or uh, you know, do something there. Um, but I expect a recommendation for some, some, some aspect of the curriculum moving forward in, in, in the fall. Um, I would like to see uh, some sort of um, um, procedure uh, or a, a policy put in place on how to address racist or bias incidents mm-hmm. on campus. Um, I'd like to see us try to accomplish that by the end of the semester. We would like to have uh, a number of other kind of short-term immediate issues that need to be addressed on, on campus. Um, I would like to explore the possibility of expanding the idea of restorative practices on campus. Um, you know, um, we've moved on that on, on our campus. There has been a workshop uh, at MISS um, people have been involved. I'd like to bring that back uh, into the limelight and, and really kind of work on that. Uh, we'll be working on the structure and have recommendations. I expect also those to be by the end of the semester. Again, you know, I'm, I'm being a little non-committal because it's not, again, I, I intentionally created a, a task force so that there can be a lot of voices and a lot of opinions at the table and, and work together. And I don't want this to be my agenda um, but I feel as though this is a, a very good task force. I'm really pleased with the people mm-hmm. um, who are working on it. It's a great uh, group. And I get the impression that it's a hardworking group and I expect us to get some things done. I'm not going to promise the world either because as you know, everybody's doing a lot of other work, um, but we will definitely get a few important uh, things done this spring and, and and really hope that we will lay out a plan moving forward. Absolutely. Well, Thank you once again so much for joining me. I, 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 like I said just a moment ago, I, I really do feel like I have a much clearer understanding of, of the task force's current standing and and all the things that projects that I am really really excited to see happen and and that I am so grateful for the work of yourself and the task force to continue to be committed to to working on these issues because I think it's something we really need. Lots of work ahead. Thank you, Max. I really appreciate the time and uh, happy to do it any other time. Absolutely. Well, I hope we'll hear from your task force in the near future. Count on it. Thanks very much. Lincoln Gaboyasonga, thank you so much for joining me. Now, you are, of course, the student council vice president, but you are also the chair of the diversity, equity, inclusion committee within student Mm -hmm. council, uh, which is why I've asked you to to come join me here today and chat a little bit about some of the things that you all have been working on. Yeah, my pleasure. It's good to be here. Yeah. And so so before, though, we we jump into the business, I suppose, um, I do. I've realized, you know, I I have everybody come on to Misinformed to talk about something specific related to a role that they serve, professor, graduate assistant, vice president. Um, But I I also want to try and take some more intentional space for for my guests to introduce themselves personally as well. So uh, you're not just the vice president and chair of this committee. You're also a student here at Miss. You're also so many other things. So for for the benefit of all of our listeners, if you wanted to introduce yourself a little bit more than just those those two roles. Sure. Thank you. Um, so I'm uh, a fourth semester uh, IPD ITED student. So um, I had the privilege of being on campus one and a half semesters uh, before we closed. So I, I do miss that. Um, I'm also president of the Faith and Fellowship Club at MIS, and that's a, a Bible study group at, at MIS. We ha- currently have about six-ish members. Yeah, I think. Um, very cool group. And other than that, I, I'm currently located in Kigali, Rwanda, which is my home country. Um, it's where I grew up and I came to the U.S. when I was um, 17 for college in, in Oklahoma. So shift from <laughs> Oklahoma to California was yeah. a pretty interesting one. Um, but yeah, I've, I've enjoyed my time at Miss and just 
in general met a lot of great people yeah awesome thank you uh so it, i i think that the existence of the the dei committee was new to me as i just recently joined student council myself and so i was just wondering if you could just give us a really brief overview of of what is this committee who who comprises it and what are some of the general objectives you've got for this committee sure uh, so the di committee is actually a standing committee on student council for the first time this academic year i think it was it was an ad hoc committee before i don't know if it you know how it functioned before that but we decided that this year was you know it needed a standing committee for diversity equity and inclusion and um it's it's been awesome having it because i think we've done a lot of lot of work we've played an important role so as of now we the, the di committee has we have morgan moore who's the i think ipd mpa rep we have virginia kerr who's the npts rep we have katie klein uh who's tl tlm rep? tsol also a thing oh my gosh i don't know i was just messaging her about it too i'm like i think this is your program mix t t and i t l m and t t i because yeah. you'll start with t so i mixed them up a lot. <laughs> um and we have aiko and who's our uh, communications director and then recently this semester we just added cora who's um the sustainability uh basically our person for sustainability so we have kind of a uh a representative for DEI on the Sustainability Council and vice versa. It's been awesome having her. And so, uh, so far, the role that we've played is, I think it would be two, two main things. One is really kind of opening our ears or student council's ears on, um, in terms of DEI and what the students think about DEI work that's happening, um, about certain things like injustices, um, as we've seen last semester. Mm -hmm. uh, and in terms of what other initiatives we could do, you know, how can we make DI better at the Institute? So this, this has been very interesting because we, we've been able to solve certain issues in the past, uh, as like, for example, last semester, we played an important role in, in drafting, you know, the student council open letter talking to different parties about how we were going to approach the administration to get to get a resolution between the students and the administration on 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 those issues on that mm -hmm. that issue. and so that was important but we've we originally i think our role it was more we wanted it to be more proactive and we've kind of played a proactive role so far not as much as we'd like to but we've been trying to advocate for new policies and and new um initiatives that would maybe make our campus, our institute more diverse. Mm -hmm. Morgan Morse is, is a GA in the admissions office, and she's done a lot of tremendous work there, just from getting us connected with the admissions office to advocating for, for things like, you know, being building partnerships with HBCUs, mm -hmm. things like trying to get scholarships and, and that kind of thing that's in the talks. Mm -hmm. We've talked to other people on, on on how we can make create different partnerships um, that will increase, you know, the number of uh, people of color at school and and all that. So it's been a lot. I think we've had way more to work with than we originally anticipated. Mm -hmm. But I'm grateful for it because I think our our school needs it. Yeah, absolutely. And I would also say I would encourage anybody if they're a little bit more curious as to what Morgan's working on. She was on the previous episode of Misinformed talking about exactly that and what she's doing as a grad assistant. Um, so I, I did just recently have a conversation with Miguel of mm -hmm. the DEI task force who uh, listeners will have heard just before this conversation I'm having here with you. And mm -hmm. so we also know that Morgan is the li liaison or to the task yeah. force as well. And so the, that was another thing, you know, something that came up in that conversation that I wanted to hear more about um, in more specifics maybe is that I know the DEI committee uh, was involved in helping nominate students for serving on the task force as well. That's correct. We actually were part of 
we 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 in cooperation with in collaboration with Miguel mm-hmm. and the administration, including uh, uh, our vice president at Dayton Johnson, had that, and other people, of course, other great people. Um, we had the we worked towards a, a task force to create a task force, and we thought that that was the best way to create a structure and solve other issues that were that kind of were born out of last semester situation. And so we creating the establishment, I would say, of the task force is something that we're happy about, very happy about. Um, we were, yes, we did submit names for students. Um, and this, we, we had talked with other, with different students about, you know, their will to be involved. Our selection criteria was really not that, um, crazy <laughs> for like a better term uh-huh. but there were people who wanted to be more involved and who right. like, like they had some experience and some ideas and and so we were happy to like suggest their names speaking about the task force that's also something else that i forgot to mention is that we want to play this semester especially we want to play a uh, couple of different roles for the task force one is with accountability mm-hmm. um, the other is assistance and support in different things you know it's a group of people they, they have limited, limited limited time and and space for what they want to achieve and so we're here as you know another arm mm-hmm. quote unquote so we, we've we've been working with them and it's been i think it's been uh it's been fun and uh, it makes me have an enthusiastic outlook on what's going to be done. So, yeah. And the, the conversation he and I had as well really painted a, a pretty optimistic and hopeful, I think those are almost the exact words I used, uh, you know, future of DEI at the Institute. And, and I, so I was also wondering, was there ever a point in the decision-making of, of the formation of the task force where, why don't you just integrate the student council committee into that? So instead of having new students, it's just anybody already serving on the DEI committee of student council. You're just a part of the task force now. Yeah, that's something that actually came up. Mm-hmm. We, we really did have actually an extensive conversation about that, especially inside the the committee. Mm-hmm. The main reason why we thought we were we thought that that could have been some that that could have been an alternative was because we had a lot of precedent on di work and the just that we had a lot of context i guess is the better way mm-hmm. of putting uh, had a lot of context and experience with what happened last semester with the campus in general mm-hmm. and so we thought that our momentum would be very helpful in in helping miguel you know do do accomplish his mission as a interim cdo but um, but when we spoke about this with Miguel, with Jeff, and just amongst ourselves, we realized that, you know, there are certain things that student council is supposed to do, uh, the student council DI committee, mm-hmm. but there are just a, a group, a, a bunch of tasks that need maybe more diversity, uh, need need a more diverse team mm-hmm. to work on. So, um, we thought that a task force that is specifically focused on on the issues that the task force is going to be working on, we thought that it would need people from different um, different offices and groups at the institute, uh, people with varying experiences, a diverse group that would be um, close to being representative of our population and our community at the institute, and and. Um, and honestly, you know, just knowing that we can communicate and work with them and work together was was very was a very satisfactory outcome. Actually, much better than us being the task force. So, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, that makes a lot of sense to me too. And I was, you know, something I've been wondering about is that there is uh, there's certainly a lot of institutional weight behind the task force right now and that also comes with a lot of red tape and the things that they can say and do and the way that they can use their funds which i was also wondering if that was a part of the consideration as your role as the dei committee um with student council is that 
that because you remain apart, you get to, you know, have a maybe not a louder voice, but a more strongly worded in some areas when you're making these recommendations to the institution or advocate on behalf of students that you wouldn't be able to if you were fully integrated as a part of the task force. Right, right. I, th I think our work is very complementary, but like you said, mm -hmm. there's a certain, um, th there's a certain aspect of DEI work that can, can um, only be pushed for by the committee. So mm -hmm. uh, the way we, the ways in which we, for example, were, um, were negotiating with the administration on, on just like interacting with the students last semester, for example, and that that was one thing I think the task force would have, you know, a harder time doing, mm -hmm. or that it would be maybe out of their scope of work. Um, our our role really we want to be a bridge. Um, a bridge between the students and the administration. We want to increase that communication, amplify the work of students. There's a lot of things that students usually want to communicate, but that they're not able to because there isn't a maybe an entity that is, is in place for that. And even though student council play that role, but having something specific for DEI, I think is, is very important. And and yeah, so the way we we've worked with the with the administration is, I think, is it's more of it's multilateral in terms of what it what the, what that relationship looks like, and I think that the task force is more focused on on specific items that need mm -hmm. urgent iteration and solutions, and so we we complement each other in that way. We definitely can have some. You know, we can, we can do, sometimes we, we help each other on different things, but, but I think our roles can be, you know, differentiated in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if I'm, if I'm understanding you right, it kind of sounds like, uh, you know, the DE, the student, student council in general is there to advocate and work on behalf of the students. And so occasionally that will be your working, your in a way outside of the institution and the task force is a part of the institution. So there, that's a important separation that, um, you're, you're complementary, as you've said, um, you're, you're allies in, in so many ways and that your, your missions for the institution are the same, but they are still a part of it. And you at the committee get to remain outside of that and, you know, advocate with just students in mind, yeah. not having to take into consideration other institutional, like, like red tape things, like I mentioned. Yeah, we have a little more flexibility room to work with mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So I, I think that that also helps the, the task force sometimes because we may have other things to consider, mm -hmm. but they won't have that time or that's just not something that they do and they will ask us to do that. And so, so we help each other in that way. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, then on that note, what are some of the things that you're you're currently working on or maybe not you personally, but like the committee in general or anyone on the committee. Right. So, so far, this semester has been interesting because we came in with uh, with an impression that our involvement with the task force would be, you know, a little more than mm -hmm. it what it ended up being. So we had created room, <laughs> much more room for that. And so this this ended up being different. But so far, we have been trying to think brainstorm on events and and uh, trying to increase like maybe awareness on anti-racism work or awareness on like what else we could do in terms of DEI on campus. We met with the with representatives of the faculty senate. Um, I've, I've been in a faculty senate meeting as well as a staff advisory team meeting with the purpose of trying to um, maybe connect a little more with those uh, with those groups so that DI work is not as siloed as it currently is mm -hmm. at the institute. That's one of our goals too, I would say, to connect more with other groups and know what they're doing in terms of DI and seeing how we could co you know collaborate and help each other on 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 these things. Because DI work I think is best done if it's more of if if more people and if it's if it's done from a community standpoint instead of just it being siloed, it's it's been a problem for the institute. So we're trying to help with that. 
And the other thing, the third, I think, main item is to see where we could create partnerships in terms of expanding the schools, um, the schools, let's say in terms of recruitment, for example, we want to help in the institute in recruiting more uh, BIPOC students. Mm -hmm. So there is the effort in connecting with HBCUs that Morgan has taken part of. Um, we've met with certain, we've, I've personally been trying to create some sort of connection with my my home government between me and my home government that's that's something that is actually takes more time than i had initially thought <laughs> unfortunately we've we've uh, had some you know we've had a, a great representative of un women and it's a hard dream miss verlin um um Sobredo. and and she's we we talked about kind of her assisting us with expanding our network with other schools and, and trying to recruit more in more diversely, diverse, I forget the word, sorry, <laughs> diversely. <laughs> um, and, and so these, these are the kinds of things that we've, we've been doing. So we will see the fruit that is obtained from those efforts, but we also don't want to spread ourselves too thin. Right. That we were close to last semester, so yeah. And I and I think the way you explain it as like you know DEI work being so siloed is such a great way to explain it that I hadn't really thought of before, but had certainly been you know exposed to the idea is that it's like oh we have student council has a DEI committee and we have a DEI task force, so our institution is anti-racist now, and it's like. <laughs> No matter, and maybe maybe they're extremely productive teams that put out a bunch of programming and all of this. You're not an anti-racist institution until it's a part of all of the parts of your institution, and I think that's really important for people to keep in mind. Is mm -hmm. that don't give the institution the checkbox just because these things are happening, and they are supporting them. The institution is supporting it, but we have mm -hmm. to keep it, our attention on how are they doing it elsewhere, and in, in admissions, in faculty, in in everywhere. <laughs> Right, right. And one of the things that actually that we've done is we, re we actually recently have been doing this um, is to look at the policies at the Institute and see to what extent they have a DI lens to them. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there is that that's a big thing that's missing still, you know, we have an anti-racist policy, we have, you know, we have we have some policies that are specifically focused on that. But I think what would be even better is that each policy, recruitment policy or academic policy, things like that, has a DI lens to it, like has that consideration. Because without it, then we don't have, we, certain issues arise re specifically related to, to racism and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And no way to address them or they go unaddressed because there's just nothing that, you know, that nothing that is said about that in maybe like the academic version of the the policies mm -hmm. the academic policies at school so i think that's that's a that's a, a good reminder it's one of the things that we need to do as an institute is we need to increase that we need to have that lens mm -hmm. just everywhere because that's how you combat uh institutional racism yeah yeah absolutely i think you know, and my, as I'm, I myself, I'm learning more and more about, you know, what it means for institutions, what it means for a person to be anti-racist, all of those sorts of things. Um, my, my imagination is certainly limited. And I remember seeing, you know, it's like thinking about like, well, how could your curriculum be more anti-racist? But uh, I was taking a comparative education class with Ann Campbell, shout out to that class. Anybody who's spoken with me in the last month or month and a half knows how much I loved that class. Um, and Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And she, you know, mentioned at one point when we were going in and doing a section on, I think it was specifically around indigenous education, but it, it had this lens of, you know, honoring difference and diversity and that sort of thing. And a reflection we had to do was how you're going to do that personally. And she made an example of like, oh, for this, this big paper we had to write at the end of class, you know, like mm -hmm. saying like, I will cite 10 black women, uh, you know, academic papers. And it was like, oh, yeah, 
And this is something we can be doing throughout all of our classes in different ways. There's so many ways we just need to be creative and, and really put our minds toward making this work a part of, of every facet of the institution. I agree. Couldn't agree with So on that note, is there any last, you know, anything that the committee is doing or that you'd really like people to know that I hadn't quite asked about um, before we finish up? Um, I think, I think we've covered a lot, but I, I, I would say that I, I would, if, you know, for your listeners, for example, mm -hmm. I would ask if people have ideas, suggestions, questions, you know, all that, I, I, we're very welcome to, you know, to receiving those because that's how we get, that's how we become aware of things that we are, we may not be previously aware of. And, and, you know, to do DI work, that is in, in its true nature, nature inclusive, we need different voices. And so I think people sometimes forget that we are there. Mm -hmm. And I would ask, you know, speak to us, send us emails and questions and things like that. Because at the end of the day, we're here to represent the students. And, and we would love to do that more, especially with that lens of mm -hmm. DEI. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that too. And I like to then second and amplify that call for get in touch, you know, out there students get in touch with your DEI committee. If you have thoughts, questions, ideas, just like you said, um, I can't encourage that enough because, cause you're, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, that's, you can't have a, a good approach to DEI work if you're not being open to different ideas and different voices. Right. Absolutely. Uh, well, Lincoln, thank you so much for joining me. This is a wonderful conversation. And uh, I, I think that all the listeners will really appreciate everything you had to share with me today, too. Yeah, thank you, Max. I appreciate it. Well, one last big thank you to both of my guests today, Lincoln and Miguel. I am so grateful that they took the time to talk with me and by extension, all of you listening about what their committee and, and task forces are working on. Uh, now, I, I do have to end this episode on a bit of a more serious note, because throughout the episode, you heard us reference an incident with the CDO, or the former Chief Diversity Officer of the Institute, uh, and we didn't go much further into it. This was not an attempt to brush over any information or avoid any hard conversations. My intention with the stories we were covering today was to look at what we're doing now and really celebrate the proactive efforts. Of, of DEI that's happening. Um, so in the, the spirit of making sure that everybody is truly informed as to what happened, I would like to direct any listeners who are not aware uh, of, of what that incident was to the Student Council's My Community page, on which there is a resources tab, and there will be a, an open letter right there discussing exactly this. It references a October 27th student council meeting at which Jasmine Sturdefin came to represent two anonymous students, uh, bring to light some complaints made against the, the current, or at the time, CDO. Uh, there is also the meeting minutes from that meeting in the same resources area, which houses the link for their full recording. And I would highly encourage anybody who is not aware of what happened to go uh, read that open letter and and watch that meeting something that i would personally like to highlight about the that incident the complaints raised is that it is not just about the egregious comments made by the cdo at the time but it is more so at, at least the way i see it personally about the institution's response or more accurately lack thereof to those complaints our institute claims to be anti-racist, but their months-long inaction on this matter really says otherwise, and I think it is imperative for all of us, every student, to pay attention to every single decision made by the institute, because until every decision is made through a lens of equity and inclusion, we will not be an anti-racist institution. The work is hard, and it is never-ending but we have to keep at it anyway because it is within our realm of possibility to make meaningful change. That's all I have to say on the matter for right now, uh, but we at Miss Radio have been talking for months uh, since the October 27th student council meeting uh, of doing an episode on this incident 
I wish I could give you a, a concrete timeline on when we're going to be able to do that. Um, but unfortunately, I just can't do that right now. But I will say right here, right now that we want to and we will do one. And I'm making that promise to anybody who listens this far into any of our episodes. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's me again. I am now off my soapbox, not to diminish anything about what I said. I still wholeheartedly believe in that. Uh, But speaking of which, none of the opinions expressed in this episode by me or my guests reflect that of the Institute overall. Um, I still don't have the rights to this song. I haven't made any movements to get it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, put the credits in the description. And I I hope you enjoyed this episode uh, as much as I enjoyed having these guests come talk to me. And I look forward to recording for our next episode, which will be released on March 12th. And until then, I will see you all at the Motivated March Wellness Challenge events.